Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of diverticulosis found under the gastrointestinal section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 61-year-old man presents to the clinic for an annual wellness exam. He denies any specific concerns except for some constipation for the past week. His past medical history is significant for hypertension that is controlled lisinopril. He denies fever, weight changes, melena, hematochesia, abdominal pain, or stool changes. He subsequently undergoes a routine colonoscopy, which demonstrates small outpouchings within the sigmoid colon. Let's continue with an introduction to diverticulosis. Clinically, it is defined as a condition of having multiple sac-like protrusions or diverticula of the colonic wall that are not inflamed. These diverticula can cause painless bleeding. Diverticulitis is defined as inflammation of a diverticulum. In terms of the demographics, the prevalence increases with age, with a prevalence of 60% by age 60. Location of the diverticula may vary by geography. The sigmoid colon is the most common location in Western countries, but it is predominantly at the right side in Asian countries. Risk factors include age, low dietary fiber, high fat and red meat intake, physical inactivity, and obesity. In terms of the pathogenesis, abnormal colonic motility may lead to the colonic mucosa and submucosa to herniate through well-defined points of weakness at the muscle layer. Points of weakness correspond to where the vasa recta penetrate the circular muscle layer of the colon. A typical colonic diverticulum is a false diverticulum and is only covered by the serosa. It is hypothesized that abnormal colonic motility causes increases in intraluminal pressure. Diverticular bleeding occurs due to segmental weakness of the vasa recta as it is exposed to injury along its luminal aspect from the diverticulum. Moving on to the presentation. Symptoms may include cramping, bloating, flatulence, irregular defecation, and rectal bleeding. Some patients, however, may be asymptomatic. On exam, one may note left lower quadrant pain and tenderness. In terms of further imaging, colonoscopy is the gold standard. It allows for visualization of the diverticula and to rule out of differentials, such as malignancy. It is not recommended during an acute diverticulitis attack. Computed tomography with contrast is best for the evaluation of acute diverticulitis, and plain abdominal radiographs may demonstrate signs of constipation. It also helps to rule out other causes of abdominal pain, such as small bowel obstruction. In terms of the diagnostic approach, remember that diagnosis is often incidental during other investigations and is confirmed via colonoscopy. In terms of further studies, Laboratory studies may include a CBC and iron studies for evaluation of anemia secondary to blood loss. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about diverticulitis, with differentiating factors being that this will present clinically with severe abdominal pain and fever. Also think about colon and rectal cancer, with differentiating factors being that patients may complain of symptoms such as stool changes, and the lesion will be present on colonoscopy. In terms of treatment, Remember that as diverticulosis often presents asymptomatically, no specific treatment is needed. First-line options include observation and lifestyle changes, such as a high-fiber diet to prevent constipation. 
in the case of diverticular bleeding, other options include resuscitation, such as with IV fluids and blood products, colonoscopy with cauterization. If bleeding is not identified with colonoscopy, then angiography is indicated. And surgery is the last resort if the bleeding cannot be controlled with colonoscopy or angiography. Complications related to diverticulosis include anemia, bleeding and hemorrhage, exsanguination, and diverticulitis. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to diverticulosis, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 72-year-old man presents to the emergency department when he discovered a large volume of blood in his stool. He states that he was going to the bathroom when he saw a large amount of bright red blood in the toilet bowl. He was surprised because he did not feel pain and felt it was a normal bowel movement. The patient has a past medical history of diabetes, obesity, hypertension, anxiety, fibromyalgia, diabetic nephropathy, and schizotypal personality disorder. His current medications include atorvastatin, lisinopril, metformin, insulin, clonazepam, gabapentin, sodium docusate, polyethylene glycol, fiber supplements, and ibuprofen. His temperature is 99.5 degrees Fahrenheit, or 37.5 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 132 over 84. Pulse is 80 beats per minute. Respirations are 11 breaths per minute, and oxygen saturation is 96% on room air. On physical exam, the patient's cardiac exam reveals a normal rate and rhythm, and his pulmonary exam is clear to auscultation bilaterally. Abdominal exam is notable for an obese abdomen without tenderness to palpation. Which of the following is an appropriate treatment for this patient's condition? And the answer choices are, choice one, cautery of an arterial venous malformation. Choice two, IV fluids and NPO. Choice three, NPO, ciprofloxacin, and metronidazole. Choice four, surgical excision of poorly differentiated tissue. Or choice five, surgical resection of a blood vessel. The best answer to this question is choice two, IV fluids and MPO. This patient is presenting with bloody stools in the absence of systemic symptoms suggesting a diagnosis of diverticulosis. The treatment of diverticulosis is supportive therapy with IV fluids and NPO. Diverticulosis typically occurs in patients with long-standing constipation. The increased abdominal pressure causes outpouching of the colonic mucosa, forming diverticula, which can bleed. Diverticula tend to develop at points of weakness where the vasorecta penetrates the circular muscle of the colon. Abnormal colonic motility and exaggerated segmentation contractions contribute to the pathophysiology. In cases of diverticulosis, symptoms resolve spontaneously and all that is needed is supportive therapy. Long-term management includes fiber supplements to treat underlying constipation and prevent future episodes or worsening of the condition. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice one, cautery of an arterial venous malformation is an appropriate treatment for angiodysplasia, which also presents with painless bright red blood per rectum. Epidemiologically, diverticulosis is a more likely diagnosis, in particular with the medical history of constipation. Choice three, 
NPO, ciprofloxacin, and metronidazole is appropriate treatment of diverticulitis. Diverticulitis would present with systemic symptoms, left lower quadrant abdominal tenderness, and would not present with such a copious amount of blood in the stool. Choice 4. Surgical excision of poorly differentiated tissue is the management of colon cancer. Given this patient's sudden and voluminous bloody stool and lack of risk factors for colon cancer, aside from old age, diverticulosis is a more likely diagnosis. Choice 5. Surgical resection of a blood vessel is the appropriate management of hemorrhoids that is symptomatic and bleeds frequently. There was no mention of external hemorrhoids on physical exam, and such voluminous blood in the setting of constipation makes diverticulosis a more likely diagnosis. Finally, a bullet summary. Diverticulosis is treated with supportive therapy, such as NPO and fluid support. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 62-year-old man presents to the emergency department concerned about a large amount of blood in his recent bowel movement. He states he was at home when he noticed a large amount of red blood in his stool. He is not experiencing any pain and otherwise feels well. The patient has a past medical history of diabetes and obesity. His temperature is 98.9 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.2 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 147 over 88. Pulse is 90 beats per minute. Respirations are 13 breaths per minute. And oxygen saturation is 98% on room air. Physical exam reveals a non-distressed man. His abdomen is non-tender and he has normal active bowel sounds. Stool guaiac test is positive for blood. The patient is started on IV fluids and kept NPO. His next bowel movement four hours later appears grossly normal. Which of the following interventions will most likely reduce future complications in this patient? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Ciprofloxacin and metronidazole. Choice 2. Increase fiber and fluid intake. Choice 3. Reduce red meat consumption. Choice 4. Sigmoid colon resection. Or choice 5. Sits baths. The best answer to this question is choice 2. Increase fiber and fluid intake. This patient is presenting with symptoms suggestive of diverticulosis, for which the best long-term management is to increase its fiber and fluid intake. Diverticulosis typically presents with bloody bowel movements in the setting of a patient who suffers from constipation. If the diverticula become infected, the disease can progress to diverticulitis, which presents with abdominal pain, fever, and guaiac-positive stools. Increased fiber and fluid intake can reduce constipation and improve outcomes in diverticulosis. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Ciprofloxacin and metronidazole are appropriate antibiotics for diverticulitis. However, this patient has no signs of infection or diverticulitis. Choice 3. Reducing red meat consumption could reduce the risk of diverticulitis if the red meat is replaced with fiber and fluids. Red meat consumption is more readily associated with colon cancer and poor cardiovascular health. Choice 4. Sigmoid colon resection could be indicated in patients who suffer from repeat episodes of diverticulitis to prevent future episodes from occurring. Choice 5. SIDS baths are an appropriate part of management of external hemorrhoids as they reduce the associated pain and symptoms. Finally, a bullet summary. Increasing fiber and fluid intake in diverticulosis can reduce future complications.
For the third question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 71-year-old female presents to her primary care physician with a four-day history of left lower quadrant abdominal pain. The patient also complains of diarrhea and mild nausea. She continues to tolerate a diet, though reduced in quantity. On exam, her vitals are a temperature of 101 degrees Fahrenheit, heart rate of 86 beats per minute, blood pressure of 130 over 92, respiratory rate of 15, and oxygen saturation of 100%. Abdominal exam is notable for left lower quadrant tenderness to palpation without rebound or guarding. Urine dipstick is normal, and complete blood count demonstrates a minor leukocytosis with the left shift. A screening colonoscopy from a year ago demonstrated multiple diverticula. What is the next best step in management? And the answer choices are, choice one, immediate colonoscopy. Choice two, trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole and a liquid diet. Choice three, abdominal CT with IV contrast. Choice four, CT angioplasty of mesenteric vessels. Or choice five, laparotomy and surgical management. The best answer to this question is, choice three, abdominal CT with IV contrast. This woman with the history of diverticulosis presents with signs and symptoms of acute diverticulitis. She should receive a CT scan to further work up the diagnosis. 20 to 25% of individuals with diverticulosis will develop diverticulitis in their lifetime. Typical symptoms include left lower quadrant abdominal pain, nausea, dysuria, and diarrhea or constipation. Patients may present with peritonitis if there is an intra-abdominal abscess. For a first episode of mild diverticulitis, treatment includes bowel rest, low roughage diet, and follow-up in two to three days. Despite evidence showing a lack of efficacy of broad-spectrum antibiotics, most patients manage as outpatients or still prescribe broad-spectrum antibiotics with regimens such as trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole or fluoroquinolones and metronidazole. Prior to treatment, CT imaging is often performed, in particular in older patients. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Immediate colonoscopy would not be appropriate due to the risk of rupture or complications. Follow-up colonoscopy in 4-6 to six weeks after resolution is appropriate in complicated diverticulitis. Choice 2. Empiric treatment with antibiotics may be appropriate if imaging is not available. However, the high mortality associated with abdominal pain in older patients would warrant CT imaging prior to treatment. Choice 4. CT angiography is the diagnostic tool of choice for mesenteric ischemia, not diverticulitis. Choice 5. Laparotomy and surgical management is reserved for patients with evidence of perforation or ischemia. Sigmoid colectomy for diverticulitis is the treatment of choice for complicated or recurrent diverticulitis after resolution of the acute episode. That's all for this review about diverticulosis. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, 
we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.